Welcome to the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. I'm your host, Larry Witzel. Seventh-day Adventist churches grow differently, and our goal with this podcast is to offer practical training for effective evangelism in the Adventist ministry context. Today, we're sharing the first breakout session in the church revitalization track entitled A Spirit of Friendship. This is presented by my friend Ryan Whitehead, Associate Pastor of Adventist Community Church in Vancouver. He earned a bachelor's degree in business from Southern Adventist University and a master in divinity from Andrews University, where he is now a doctoral candidate in the Doctor of Ministry program. In this presentation, Ryan takes a look at the foundation of the evangelism pyramid, friendship. He talks about how we can build a better foundation of friendship in our churches, looking specifically at the importance of warmth and intentionality. He does refer to a handout that he provided at the breakout session, and I've included a link to that in the podcast show notes. I'm excited to share this presentation because I think you'll be able to take something from this presentation and immediately apply it in your own church. And we're going to hear from Ryan in just a moment. First, I'd like to mention the sponsor of this episode, eAdventist. eAdventist's mission is to provide Seventh-day Adventist churches with the software tools for membership and church management. They offer a mobile app for members called My eAdventist and church management tools for church pastors and clerks. They also provide trends and insights for church vitality and evangelism, and I encourage you to subscribe to their newsletter at eAdventistNews.com to stay up to date with what this team is up to. With that, let's go back to the 2023 Propel Conference and hear Pastor Ryan Whitehead present his breakout session entitled, A Spirit of Friendship. Everyone was able to go to the, the main seminar here with Pastor Roger. He's the lead pastor of this church, and we get to work together. Um, but how many of you have read his book, Evangelism Intelligence? A lot of what he shared today in his presentation is in his book. And it, and it hit me while I was in there listening to Pastor Roger, is that, that that foundation, that friendship piece, isn't something you just do and then move on to the next stage. It's something that holds everything up. And so you will continue to do that friendship throughout whatever evangelism, whatever, however God guides you to do what you do at, at your church. Um, so the reaping, everything, from the bottom to the top, friendship should be throughout and experienced by everyone. Now these redemptive friendships, how many of you have a lot of redemptive friendships in your, in your life? Now if you think that, that your fellow church members are your redemptive friendships, um, then you need to expand your view of redemptive friendships. And when I mean redemptive friendships, I'm talking about people who haven't connected with Jesus like you have, who haven't, haven't had the opportunity to, to spend time in His Word. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm excluding people that aren't in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in other Christian churches. Those are opportunities for us to share the beautiful news that God has for us. Um, what would happen if, you, if your church created a culture of friendship? What would happen? Would it look any different than it does today? So if, if our churches became, created a culture of friendship where we connected with people, <clears throat> we would want to invite them to the places that, that we enjoy. What is your favorite kind of food? 
Anyone? Haystacks. You would invite them to Seventh Day Adventist Church, where the only place they can get haystacks. You know? Very nutritious. Very nutritious. Protein. Italian. Okay. Anyone? Uh, any other kind of food? Mexican. I'm a Mexican. I mean, it's kind of like haystacks, you know, ish. So. Thai food. My wife loves Thai food. If she's having a bad day, all I say, hey, you want to go to a Thai restaurant? And, whew, yeah, let's, life is so much better. So, uh, I'm sure our daughter will be raised to do the same. So it'll be great. But here's the thing. If you go to a great restaurant and you have friends in your sphere of influence, are you just going to be like, oh, I'm going to keep this one to myself? No. You're going to be like, hey, if you know someone likes a Thai restaurant, you'll be like, did you go to the new Thai restaurant down in Portland? It is amazing. And, you just, you'll start, and you'll start salivating. And they'll start salivating. What if our churches could be like that? Now, I'm not saying I'm going to give you the, the golden ticket of what, how to make that happen today. But that's the heart that I have for our church here um, at the Adventist Community Church. And I hope that's the heart that you have for your church. That your church can be a place where you want to invite people. And so we're going to talk about some of the things we can do to move down that road. And, and some of it's challenging as, as it's a little more introspective and, and asking the questions about ourselves and how we're doing. Uh, I'll get there, hopefully. Uh, so if, if we got excited about our church and we want to tell people just like we found a good restaurant, we would be a church of inviters. So our church here does evangelism about two times a year, most of the time, uh, in the fall and in the spring. Uh, Pastor Roger, uh, we've done other things as well. But we spend a good chunk of money on handbills. And if you tell Pastor Roger, they just made me the evangelism leader here, uh, Pastor. And I'm, I want to try to convince him to spend $30,000 on, um, what's your name, sir? I'm going to give you $300, and you just be a blessing to your friends. Do you think the church members would go for that? Okay, I'm not sure if that's going to fly, but, and uh, we'll see if the conference sponsors it. Um, but if we can be friends and just connect with people, and I, I, there's, a, there's a fine line, and, and people of my generation and definitely below, um, if you're not authentic and if you have an agenda, um, those friendships... Will 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 end um, because if I know that I'm just I'm just interacting with you to get you to come to my church. Um, but what I loved about Pastor Rogers' thoughts was that he's just a friend, and yeah, he has a heart for them. Because if you have a heart, the Jesus' heart, Jesus had a heart for everyone to move toward where he wanted them to be. But if they weren't at the place that um, to be dunked in the baptistry, that's okay. Um, it wasn't. That's not where they were. You guys get it. Uh, I'm preaching to the choir, of course. Uh, one of the things that we can do um, is we can train our churches to tell the stories of their relationships. Take opportunities to share the good stories that you hear about people in your church that are doing what you want the rest of your church to do. So, so you might look at your church and say, oh man, my church is full of unfriendly people. And I've pastored a few churches where, where there are some unfriendly people, where you're wondering if they smile ever. Um, and, and on my bad day, I need help as well. 
Um, but if you start sharing stories about how Wayne loved on his neighbor, you start planting seeds and you start creating a culture of this is, this is how we do things around here. Um, you start highlighting the things that, that are successful that are positive and are going to move you toward that creating a friendship culture in your church. Oh yeah, I should probably click the buttons as I... So it doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, Pastor Roger and his wife, as you heard, he goes on a walk every day, about five miles. Uh, Someday maybe Bridget and I will (laughs) do uh, a mile or two. Um, But... But he weighs at all his neighbors. And he has other stories, like you could listen to his his sermon this last Sabbath, um, about how that, just waving at people as they're driving past on the road that they they live on, it's just made this connection. And God opens opportunities up um, as as he just waves at people. So it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, Don't challenge your friends that that maybe aren't as um, able as you to interact with people around you. don't don't make it overcome. Don't make it. Don't make them try to do what you do. Just say, hey, just wave at your friend when he takes the garbage out. When he's going, don't just be like, oh, my neighbor's coming. I mean, I've done it a few times because I'm, you know, wearing my shorts and my t-shirt uh, and need to hide from him or something. But um, don't make a comment. Just wave. And as God opens opportunities, encourage your friends and and you take the opportunities that God gives you. Okay. This next uh, little picture graph that I'm going to show you is a life cycle of most Christian or Christ followers. Take a look at that. So this is the interactions of people far from God for individuals who start going to church and then start continuing in church. So I got this this out of uh, one of the books I have here. Uh, I think it was Walk Across the Room by Bill Hybels, uh, a good book on, on just taking that next step across the room to invite people to connect with God. Maybe not even with that agenda, but just to connect with people. Um, but I've noticed this with people in our church as well. If someone comes to our church and they come into our church, they, they start with everyone in their sphere of influence is not connected with God. And then over time their whole sphere of influence becomes everyone in the church. The only people they interact with are the people in the church. And by the time you get to eight years, you have essentially no one in your life that you interact with that is not in your local church community. And what Pastor Roger shared, um, that little you know, square box where the, the circle moved from dedicated believers to the bigger sphere of of people out there, that's what we're challenged to do as, as individuals. Um, have you guys seen that this is correct or, or you know, generally the trend? I mean, there's, there's outliers for sure. And introduce me to some of them and let them wear off on me. I mean, I grew up in the church, so I, I, I already started here. And so I have to intentionally do something different. So that's a whole other something I haven't prepared to talk about. But oftentimes, <clears throat> so here's, here's a phrase uh, from the book. It says, the longer a person attends church, the fewer evangelistic decision, 
uh, discussions, par- pardon me, they engage in with family members and their friends. So because what happens is, is you get your friends and they're all in the church and you all eat haystacks and everything's the same. And so you don't have those evangelistic conversations with people who, because everyone, group think, right? Yeah, comment. Um, I I uh, I did not grow up in the Adventist Church. Okay. Um, and most of my schooling was in public school. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we joined the Ad- my family joined the Adventist Church, we heard a lot of, oh, you need to stay away from those other people, so that you don't have their negative right. influence on you. It's yep. taught. <laughs> it's taught to us to do that. So if you didn't hear what Joseph said, he said that. He joined the Adventist Church, you know, uh, later in life, and he kind of got the vibe that that you're not supposed to hang out with people outside of the church because they'll influence you negatively. And I'll tell you, I'm a I'm a product of the of the church. I remember my fresh my sophomore year, I was at Southern Adventist University, and we were in a religion class, and <clears throat> the professor in this religion class, we were talking about Christian education and non-Seventh-day Adventist education. And we had to split into teams, and then we had to debate which one was better or which one we should do. And I destroyed the other team. Which side do you think I was on? I was on the Adventist education side. Now, I say I destroyed. I, you know how you can get a perception of yourself that might be off? <laughs> it's often this, the case. But, but I, I remember how passionate I was. I, I, I looked at my opposing team members, and I, I don't get super riled up most of the time. Unless I see someone being harmed or something like that, then it really challenges me. But I looked at him, I said, why would you open yourself up to all of that, all of that, you know, you name it. Um, but I was a product of, of, of the church where I had that mentality as well. I think at certain stages, like Brenna, Oh, she's over here just chilling with, with uh, my wife. Uh, three months old. I'm probably not going to just leave her with strangers or, you know. At certain points in our journey, um, as well as at certain times, uh, it's good to, to have home base where you're protected and, you, and you're supported in your, in your journey. Uh, yes, sir. Comment. Oh, I'm just thinking out loud here. Please. It seems a little artificial to say, I'm going to be your friend until you, you become an Adventist, and then you're going to... Be on your own, and I'll make a new friend. So Sorry, say that again. If, if I go to a non Adventist and say, I'm going to be your friend until you become an Adventist, and right. I'm going to choose another friend. Totally. So you can only have so many friends. So Bob said that um, if you go to a, a friend and you say, I'm going to be your friend until you become an Adventist, yeah. and then, so I think you're, you're, point, you're bringing the point up, Bob, that that we should have good relationships within the church, right? But that those people outside the church aren't um, projects? Is that what you're saying? Or what, what are you thinking? It's when you turn 65, you have a lot of friends, and it's, it's hard to keep adding to that list and keeping up with everybody that you sure. went to high school with. Yeah, something I didn't get to is the stats that of how many how many friends you can actually have. I think my wife exceeds that amount. Some people are just gifted, um, but yes, sir. And then one, one other thought: I just went to my fiftieth high school reunion, and a lot of my friends uh, they went to church all their life, but now they're ongoing. So yep. you still have to maintain those friendships. 
Sure. You know, it, it is difficult and challenging. I think each person has to kind of evaluate it on their own. And I, I mean, I think you would agree. Um, there's only so many friendships that you can manage and, and that you can um, help go well. So I guess what you're saying is, is hi, um, you want to be a Seventh-day Adventist? Uh, but once you become a Seventh-day Adventist, i got to go back to my friends because I can't add another friend to my group. But I'll be a friend to you until you become a Seventh-day Adventist. Is that what you're saying? Okay, yeah. Oh, totally. So, and I think that's where I think all of us, and that's why if you have a thought or you want to throw something in, um, speak up. But I, I feel like each of us should leave some space for those redemptive relationships that God is calling us to interact with. So, I've been challenged with this because I, I'm presenting on this and I'm like thinking about my neighborhood. I live in a nice little cul-de-sac. Danny lives next door. Bridget, what's the neighbor across the street again? <laughs> Alex is across the street. I just met him the other day. I needed to throw some extra yard waste, and he had two bins. And I said, hey, you got some room? And he's like, yeah, no problem. And so I threw it. And I introduced myself. But the other neighbors, I don't know their names. And I'm, so I'm, I'm challenged to do what I'm preaching today or I'm sharing today because um, I need to walk around my neighborhood more. I need to say hello. I need to interact. And as God opens the door... Um, do that. But I do think that the gentleman Bob pr presents a good thought is every church member should have some space available to welcome someone in their life and then to journey with them. Because friendships aren't something you just start and then once they get where you think they, that you want them to be, they, then you just let them go. What's really hard as a pastor is when you baptize someone and they look at you and they say, are you going to journey with me? And I, and I like, <laughs> well, if every single person I baptize, we, we do a lot of, I, for one year I happened, I felt like I was the baptism guy at, here at the church. And it's not because um, I helped them get over that line. It's just the other pastors were preaching or doing something else. And so I was the guy that, that, uh, that, was in the baptistry. But if every single person I baptized, so if we baptized 25 people after a series of meetings, if I baptized 15 of them, and they all looked at me and said, are you going to journey with me? Lord, help them. But that's why I think, um, Bob, you're just helping my mind go, as we do, as we invite people, even if I invited Bob into the church, if I can introduce you to Wayne, that's where I think as a body of believers, some people are good inviters and some people are good grounders. Like they can ground people in the church and they can build that community. And maybe you cook a better casserole than I do. And you can invite them over and you can be that fellowship that they need. Uh, but good, good point, Bob, not to, because uh, that list of people gets bigger and bigger. Okay, so let's move beyond just this kind of sad looking chart here. Uh, and this, Christ, when he was here on earth, saw, this is the last uh, button in this slide. So if you want to take a picture of this slide, you'll get it, the whole thing. But, and if you want, I can send this to you, even though um, I plan 
make sure that before you all leave that I get your name and your email because I want to email you a list of resources that, that I've looked up on Advent's Learning Community, Advent Source. And, and, you're, and if you have my email, I'm happy to share anything that we have here at this church to help you be more effective uh, where you're at. And that's why I want this time today not just to be Ryan talking. I have talked a lot. Um, but kind of interaction. So I need to move on before lunch gets here. But Christ saw potential in people. And this isn't my thought. I got it from one of these books that I, that I read here um, or just perused. Um, Christ saw potential in people. There, was, there is never anyone that Christ said, well, no, they, they, won't, they can't. They won't make it. Like, they don't have any potential in them. Christ saw potential in everyone. And this is the challenge that we have in our churches is to helping everyone see that, uh, to see through the lenses of, of Jesus Christ. If we change that in our church members, help them recognize that everyone has potential to be the next Paul. They might be the persecutor of Saul, but with God in their heart, things can change. Um, And I believe it. So this is kind of the the opposite of of what this first chart says. Walking, years walking with Christ. Now, I like this chart because I started walking with Christ at a young age um, because I grew up in the church and it just is who I am. But it doesn't exclude me from finding relationships on this, this, this y-axis, relationships that I can redemptively spread Jesus' love to. You know, as we accept grace, as we use our gifts to serve, as we... You know, focus on people, God will give us opportunities to spread grace to others and to be a blessing to them. Um, has anybody ever read uh, Blackaby's book? Um, is it, what's the name? Somebody here knows the name of the book. Experiencing God. Experiencing God. So, uh, like I was telling Wayne earlier when he came in, is, is that God has opportunities that he wants to open up to us and if we're aware of those things, those opportunities, um, then as we are on this journey, you can be a blessing to more and more people. <clears throat> so, if you read Pastor Rogers' book, and it sounds like it's for free, so good for you, uh, he, he, he kind of fleshes out just briefly some more of that, that foundational friendship um, piece in the pyramid. Bottom line... Uh, learn how to be a better people person. And if you're introverted, it doesn't mean that you can't learn the lessons. How many of you ever read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Okay, I, I loaned that book out to someone that never came back, so I bought it, a digital copy. Now I can't loan it out anymore, which is a bummer. But um, I, I had a hard, a hard time with that book because I didn't want to do the things in the book to twist people's arm to get them to do what I wanted them to do. And I actually bought another book. It's a green book that basically said how to get people to do what you want. And it's on my shelf. I've never read it because I I feel like I I don't want to twist people's arm. Uh, But again, if you love Thai and it's a good Thai restaurant, you're not forcing anyone to go, but because of your enthusiasm, because of your love for that food, people are going to go there. Because of our love for God, because of what he's done for us in our life. And as we share the overflow of that, people will want to connect with that and uh, they, they'll want to know what we know. 
So that faith cycle, uh, the first, oh, I forgot. Everyone open, pull out your sheet of paper. Did everyone, does everyone have it? And we're going to look at the first four questions. So faith life cycles. Uh, if you don't have it, there should be some more in the back. Oh, they're on front pew. Here you go, gentlemen. Thank you. Okay, so feel free. We're just going to run through these quick. You can jot down your answers, but maybe take these back and have a conversation with people in your church. Um, which, oh, I'll go back. Which, which faith cycle is, does your life match? Do you have essentially no redemptive relationships in your life? Or is God's love in your life and your experience, is it actually causing you to interact with people around you? Are you seeking to be intentional with the people around you and finding people that you can be redemptive toward? Have you stopped interacting with those who are not on a faith journey? Or are they ever increasing in your acceptance interaction with others regardless of their faith journey? So do you essentially love people where they're at? Um, Is this life cycle the one you want to be known for? So we have to reflect on our life. And maybe your life doesn't look like a zero. But maybe you have one redemptive friend because you drop off your dry cleaning to them. And you say, hi Bob, good to see you. What steps can you... And so these, some of these questions you can take on your own and you can reflect on them. And as you reflect on them, hopefully God challenges you to do something different as you reflect on how God wants you to grow. So if you had, on a scale between 1 to 10, question number 3, how would you rate yourself in being able to spot potential in those living around you? If you guys are open enough, where do you think you're at? 1 to 10. Spotting potential in the people around you and what God wants to do in their life. Some people are really good at this. If you're really good... Seventh-day Adventist Christian, sometimes there's not enough people around. You don't interact with enough people to, have, have this, to answer this question. Uh, number four, circle two of the traits, character traits, that you want God to work with and develop in your life. And then take a moment to pray and cultivate these traits. So if you sat down with some of the key members in your church that you know have the heart to do this, whether they're doing it or not, you could sit down with these four questions and just process with them. Hey, do you want God to give you more compassion, more love, more acceptance to the people around you? Um, these, these things matter. And then ask God to do that work in your life. I believe that, that God wants to do the work in our hearts that will allow Him to do the work through us that He wants to do in this world. Um, so a question on this faith life, or these faith life cycles as well as this evangelism pyramid, the base friendship. Is there anything that you have to add or your thoughts? And I appreciate those of you that jumped in earlier. Anything? Yes, ma'am. Um, uh, I'm just going to say, I, I became Adventist when I was 18. Mm -hmm. I met my adopted mom. 
was in Adventist. So I basically was taught when I was little, but anyways, there's a, a gap in between a long story. Mm-hmm. But when I, um, when I was going through struggles in, in my life, and I made some not very good decisions, some of the pastors will kick me out of the church and, and they would tell me that I don't belong there. And, and that would hurt me. And mm. so I, I would read God's word and God said that he, will, he loves me and that he has me the way I, I am mm-hmm. or the way I was and the condition that I was. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're fine. So years later, I divorced my ex-husband and but I uh, I prayed about it. And when I went to church, they would not let me walk in the church. Hmm. And so I confronted them and I said, I don't come to worship you. You are not my God. This is my father's house and I come to worship him. When I'm done worshiping him, I'll leave. Because of that, and because certain pastors, because of certain pastors, my children don't want to do nothing with the Seventh Adventist Church. Because instead of accepting them or being competitive when they were playing games, they would put them down because they were not good enough, or somebody were in their way, and, and so a lot of children left. Anyways, yeah. So now myself. I don't care if you're lesbian, I don't care if you have tattoos, I don't care if you drink, I don't care if you're on drugs. When they come to our church, we take them in and we love them. We, sometimes I even wash their feet and people say, why are you washing their feet? I said, because Jesus did it and if, if Jesus was here, he would do it for me. So we get a lot of these people which uh, a lot of admins call them, and I have heard them, that they are the bottom of the bottom of the barrel, that there's no hope for them. We have worked with people for five, six years, and they are finally starting to open. They, they're abused, they, whatever they have gone through, and then, then they go to a church where they say that they they, they love Jesus and they're an example and they reject it. We have heard that some people are spit and asked never to come back because they smell. And they come to us and, and we give them money to wash their clothes. We feed them. We, we even put them in a hotel for the night and then they come back. And sometimes it's a journey that you have to show who you are. And because of what I went through, through the Adventist church, I, reading God's word, I said, I want to be Christ-like. God mm-hmm. not reject anybody. Whether I accept Jesus or not, that is their choice. Mm-hmm. But still, I'm going to be there. And one of the things Joe and I have learned, are learning is that most of these people, they're called bottom of the barrel, are people that they never never had a childlike life. Mm-hmm. And we are learning that we need to treat them, we give them gifts, we treat them like children. And, and then yeah. you can see them hopping down the road and it's like, oh, 
my goodness, that's a women jumping up and down, skipping, you know, that. And just, I mean, we, but we also have put boundaries, like, once you get to know a person like me, I, I have to confront them, I have to be tough. But at the same time, I will apologize and I said, you know, I am sorry I overstepped your boundaries, but you also overstepped my boundaries. Sure. And this is, and now people are coming and Praise God. because they know that there's boundaries. Well, it sounds like you should have been doing this seminar, actually. Um, yeah, right? I mean, and I think she needs a round of applause. Amen. So, also, I'm sorry for the, the church and what they did to you. Um, but praise God that you just didn't let it... You, you, I mean, at some, at some level, you let it roll off your back. I mean, it, it affected you, but you didn't... You didn't stop it from following God the way He called you to follow Him, and I and you're a lot stronger and a lot more resilient than most people that have gone through similar experiences as you. Um, I was looking, at, I was reading some more stats on, and this is from quite a while ago, but it talked about that there are more Seventh Day Adventists in North America that aren't attending Seventh Day Adventist churches that are in our in our churches um, because they came Seventh Day Adventist or they grew up Seventh Day Adventist and they left. And, but they experienced similar things as you, challenges, uh, criticism, they weren't accepted, and they just said, fine, I'm done. And it wasn't, and I, we'll get there, but it wasn't because they didn't, they, their belief system changed um, on most things, uh, you know, like the Sabbath and these, these things that, that if you do a lot of these things, you'll be accepted. But maybe their lifestyle was different, or they didn't like how they dressed, or they smelled, or any of that. But praise God that, that you're doing what we're talking about here. So maybe at the end of this time, maybe if you um, come around uh, this couple and find out what they're doing. If you want to do membership transfer here uh, to our church, um, be happy to make that happen. You can send us some of yours. Yeah, I know. You guys, you guys are doing... Uh, they live up the gorge uh, at a small, smaller church, but good for you for staying there and, and for being a blessing where you're at. And if you could come just wear off on a few people in, in this community here as well, uh, it'd be beautiful. I mean, what she, what she was saying is that as they reach out to the, the bottom strata that shows up at the front door, I could tell you stories, and sometimes my attitude is not the right attitude, uh, where I pastored previous to here was up on the coast of Washington, west of Olympia, in Aberdeen, Hoquiam, Elma, um, on the coast of Washington. And a lot of people would come by, and it was a sm smaller churches, and they're, you know, they come with their hand out. And um, I was young, and I'd be like, oh, you need $550 to fix your car? Like, uh, anyhow, more stories. But it sounds like you, you guys have figured out some of that. And maybe at the end, uh, let's, you can tell us a little bit more about it if we have some time. Or uh, over lunch, I know they want us to listen to this, the presenters, but get her table. And uh, you can say, I'll buy you lunch. You can tell her that. So, uh, Any other thoughts in regard to that foundation of friendship in, in, our, in the evangelism pyramid? Yes, ma'am. Have fun. Uh, we, 
it's a small, well, I attend church. It's a small church. Uh, I don't live in that town. I live in a very remote area, but the, where the town is, is pretty remote too, but there is lots of small towns. There are a lot of churches. Hmm. They're all Sunday goers except for us. Yep. And so every time we have something, we invite the other churches. And I have a couple of members who keep telling me, oh, we're not supposed to mix with the ecumenicals and all of this. And I said, if we're not around them, how are we going to share God's truth with them? Because yeah. I grew up in First Baptist Church and started looking for the truth when I was six years old. Sure. When I learned the calendar. But I said, how are we going to share the truth? How are they ever going to get to know it if we do not communicate and make Does anybody relate with that mentality or feeling of, you know, we don't want to kind of a, a castle mentality you know put our, our moat and our bridge out and like when you go over do it as a sortie like you know go quick and then get back um, you might get infected <laughs> well and and I think the way to address that and I'm, I'm just thinking out loud um, is to show them what it's like and, and the results of rubbing shoulders and rubbing arms with people outside of our community. Um, and show them, show them that you're still a faithful, Seventh-day Adventist, haystack-eating individual. Amen. And, and, and if, if God uh, opens opportunities for you to invite them into the community, um, I pray that those individuals won't cause more problems uh, for those individuals. Uh, but hopefully they can start catching that vision of, of saying, hey, there's something there. Now, this kind of leads us into our, our next thought that I got from um, the Growing Young book. Our church went through Growing Young. Everybody know what Growing Young is? It's been promoted quite a bit. Um, so I tried, I was the youth and children's pastor here for a while. And I still am helping with the youth and young adults. Uh, but the first time we went through the program, I did it on my own. I said, I'm the pastor. I'll lead this charge. And so I went to all the meetings by myself. I felt really awkward when there was a table. Every church had a table of people, and then there was just me. And so we had to restart the whole program again. And so I went through the whole... So I've, I've heard it over and over and over again. But the thing that I want to focus on, not growing young, because they've changed it actually to growing together, because they realized that... that we want to grow together as a family of, of believers, not just, you know, I mean, getting your numbers younger is good because we want our young people in the church. If we had young people sitting here um, in these conferences, now the problem is that they should be in school right now, uh, which is good for them to be. Um, but it would change the dynamic in this room. So I, I love youth and young adults. It's, it, it, it brings energy to any group. Um, but... One of the, the core pieces that they focus on is the communities that young people or and I, anyone wants to be a part of is a warm community. You don't go into a church or any organization and be like, oh, it's cold in here um, as you interact with people and, and, and be like, I like this. It's, it's cold. Everyone gives me the cold shoulder. No, you want to be in a warm and accepting community. Some of the things they talk about is a warm community is a place to belong. Um, a place where life is shared. Um, people talk about, and this isn't just youth or young adults, right? Everyone wants a home. 
They want a, a place where it feels like family. And that is the goal of what we make churches feel like. Now, it's really challenging. This church that I pastor at here, uh, we have you know, 1,000 members on the books. On Saturday morning, you can have anywhere between 250 to 400 people. And how do you create family and community within that? It's, it's a challenge. Um, a smaller community uh, is great because you know you can, you can count really quickly how many people are there. And when you invite them to potluck right across the, the lobby, not down the hall and around the corner, uh, because the churches are small, um, you can connect. It's, it's, there's a little, so there is a benefit to having a small church. There's challenges for sure. Uh, but, so the three past, the churches I pastored on the coast, uh, one had about attending 40, 35, 40. One had about 15 to 25. And the other one had 6 to 10, maybe on a good Sabbath, uh, where the membership was like 150. Anyway, that's another discussion in time. But can you structure uh, warmth? Okay, you're saying yeah. How can you structure warmth? Real quick, brief. Well, it's just a matter of, for me anyway, it's a matter of just immediately getting to know them, greeting them. Okay, and that's your structure of how you do it interpersonally. Yeah. Sure. Just, just yeah. hey, I, I'm glad you're here, and, and we, don't, we don't have guests. They're all friends. We just never met them. Yeah. Sure. Well, I appreciate that that mentality. And some people need some training, uh, some structure on how to be warm. Uh, it's just how things are with some people. Uh, you come by it naturally. Praise God. Uh, here in the Oregon Conference, we actually have someone who is, at least at the conference office, who tr- can train people on being a warmer and a more engaging community. So reach out to the conference if, you, if you're here in the Oregon conference uh, for some of that training. That's Gary, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does friendship. I'm not sure what his title is, actually. Uh, but he's a good guy, and he, he wants to create those relationships. Um, so some other, some other areas that you can structure uh, warmth is small groups. But how many of you have ever gone to a small group and it was super not warm? That probably isn't the right verbiage, but it was like where you walk in and it's awkward, it's cold, uh, it just doesn't feel very warm and inviting. So you can do all, like we, we could talk about small groups, and that's one of the things I'm in charge of here at our church that, uh, that I want to help us do better. And so maybe when you come to Propel 2024 or 2025... Um, I, will, I can share with you some of the stuff that we're doing there. I'm praying that God will help us stru- structure warmth in our community. And that's basically creating spaces for people to, to have warmth. Oh, I missed the story. I was supposed to tell you guys a story each time. So, rewind. <laughs> uh, the story is, uh, two weeks ago, I left the church here, out the front doors, and I'm like the last person. I hit the alarm, beep, beep, beep. You know, because I just can't stop talking. My wife and daughter can attest to that. I can't stop talking sometimes. Uh, but if you talk to my dad, you'll know where I get it from. So, But I leave the, the church, and my wife's already left. We bring separate vehicles because of my talking problem. 
And I walk into the parking lot, and there's still one car in the parking lot. And there's these two ladies, and they're sitting in, the, in their car. And they're just, da, chat, 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 chat. And the sun's kind of out. It's beautiful. Their windows are down. And so I can't help but talk to them a little bit more because I haven't reached my max yet. So I said, hey, how's it going? You know, and they're like, and the lady looks at me, and she says, Ryan. Uh, she's like, thank you so much for creating such a warm church. Now, if, if you're a pastor or an elder or a leader in the church, oftentimes that's not what you get. You get like, man, this church is, is not warm. Like you, you guys need to work on doing this better and that better. And so I was like, oh, yeah, oh, good. Tell me. And she just started telling me. She's like, I was invited to the New Year's Eve's party so back here in December 31, the New Year's Eve party, and it was so great. There was so much warmth. I was involved, connected, and I was loved. And she, this is, she's been a member at the church for years, um, but hasn't been back for years. But she was invited to the, the New Year's Eve party. She interacted with people. Um, she was connected, and, and then she's come back ever since. She came to the, our meetings this, that we had this, this, just a couple months ago, and I went to our social committee meeting, uh, which we went to an escape room and did that, you know, just to build social relationship, right? Um, and then, uh, but she came to that as well. She was invited to join the social committee. She's engaged. She wants to be more involved. And she's like, Ryan, this church is so much warmer than it was previously. And I probably shouldn't have said it. Looking back, you know, you say things and you're like, don't say that. Like, I said, again, ah. I said, well, maybe you're the one that changed. Um, but I really don't think so. I think that certain people in our church, um, however it worked, God gave her a warm place when she came here. And it wasn't through um, necessarily an advanced me, even though she found it after she came to the social event. So I guess what I'm saying is, is you can structure warmth in your church through small groups, through social committee events, through all these different things that our church does well. But the people in your church, like that's where the rubber meets the road. And somewhere this lady connected, but the lady sitting next to her, who I baptized in 2018, she, she jumped on the bandwagon. She's like, Ryan, the church is so much warmer than it was in 2018. And I'm just like, I've been here since 2017, and I, I don't think I've changed. And, and even, you can tell Pastor Roger that his, because she's like, yeah, and even Pastor Roger's sermons, they're so much warmer and so much better. than they, She didn't say warmer, but she said they're so much better and, and just so much for a lot. And I'm just like, praise the Lord, you know? Because oftentimes you hear the, you know, this is a big church, and people get lost. And, and I'm... I'm wander in the lobby trying to just connect with people before they slip out the door and, and say, well, I went to church, but nobody talked to me. Um, so that's just a story that I can praise God for. Now, how did that happen? Was I'm the pastor here. Did I structure that? Bye, Brenna. Bye, Bridget. <laughs> that's my wife and daughter, if you didn't know. Um, I must be talking too much. So. No, it's all good. She came to support me. Uh, you, can, you can try to structure um, warmth in your church, but you can only do so much. I can't tell you how that happened. I can't tell you how... Maybe this gentleman has the, the, the answer. I, but I just believe it's a spark. 
Okay. Everybody starts to it's a spark, yeah. Each other, then it becomes more. Totally. It takes one person to start the fire. Yep. And I and I, I you see it, and that's why I bu- I've done a lot of evangelism in my life. Evangelism preaching is easier than regular preaching because it's all written out for you. You know, kind of where you're going. Um, but when you get new people in the church, uh, they're excited. They're excited more than than I have been with the message that I've lived with my whole life because it's brand new, and they're just like, "Oh, did you know that?" For 24 hours, I just get to enjoy family, friends, God, nature. So this is beautiful. I, I can't help tell this story. Uh, I can't tell the whole story because it'd take too long. Lady knocks at the front door. I had just been here all day long trying to do something that wasn't in my job description, you know, helping do this or that. And this lady knocks at the door, and I was like, I could like act like I'm not here and like run into the office because it's a big church and there's two doors. You know, so I open the first door and I open the second door uh, here at our church, and she walks in, and I'm like, Ryan, just be nice, like, and and I open the second door. She walks into the lobby here, and she's like, I found the Sabbath, and you guys keep the seventh day Sabbath, so I want to go to church here. Where, when, how, why, what, all that, and I'm like, like. You know, I'm a pastor. I know the answers to every question. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. That was a joke. Glad, glad you laughed. Uh, but you don't get, you don't get people that excited about stuff, right? And so, anyway, to make my story shorter, uh, we talk about the Sabbath, where she can come, when. I told her what Sabbath school to go to. I was like, "There's a guy in jeans. You'll see him." And uh, just follow him to the Sabbath school. He also wears uh, sandals, so follow him. And um, I think they're dating now, actually. That wasn't my intention. Um, but she's like, okay, so on Sabbath, what can I do? Um, and I'm like, well, I mean, you can come to church, you know, and spend time with friends and family. And she's like, well, I have a dog. And, uh, you know, but it's just, it's just so hard to stay inside all day. And I'm like... Oh, dear. I was like, go into nature. And she's like, I can do that? And I'm like, yeah. Like, some people call nature God's second book. Go into nature. Enjoy, enjoy nature. Anyway, the, the, the newness and the excitement that she had was contagious. So that's where I was going with it, the spark. Thank you. <laughs> Bring it back around. He listened to my sermons sometime. They just go all over the place. Anyone else have something to share on that, on, on how to create warmth in your community? I believe it is a spark. It can start small. And that's why being a friend outside your community and then you know, capturing the hearts of people because God's in your heart, it's beautiful. And doing it and showing it as well. Does someone raise their hand over here? Yes, sir, Wayne. Yeah. We make Sabbath school a, a small group. Yep. We, we have a... Sabbath school class in our, our sanctuary. Awesome. So it's, you know, 10 or 12, 15 people. That's beautiful. Somebody shows up late. Um, my friend here, when it's his turn to teach, he's good at it. He'll say, oh, I'm so glad you came. And he knows their name. And, yep. Uh, so when they, when they enter, they don't just quietly sit in the back. They, 
Awesome. Totally. Well, and you don't have to recreate anything. Just look for ways in what you already do to improve the relationship aspect. If you ever walked into a group and and nobody talks to you, or like you're not even like you're not even there, so you guys are doing it right. We, the the group that meets in here, the Sab School group that meets in here, uh, there's a new leader. Uh, the old the leader that stepped back from leading. Um, did a great job at connecting people, inviting people over to their home. Uh, this is a Sabbath school group, but it became a community. The new leader is working even more. He's like, hey, I want a list of people. I want to know their birthdays. I want to know, and he's building visitation teams within the Sabbath school group. It's, it's really exciting, but it's down that same kind of, kind of focus. Yes, sir? Yeah, one of the things that we did in my former church, uh, mm. we created a welcome center in the lobby. Yep. And we would have team, a hospitality team, sure. um, who would connect, um, identify, as our greeters will identify visitors, take them to the of desk, we would give them gifts, Beautiful. and we would give them instructions, if you know, where, simple things, you know, where the restrooms were, where the, you know, the yep. school class was, or so on, and then, um, and then we would invite them to connect after the church service, mm. it's, uh, the pastoral team, We'd have some refreshments. Um, we call it Room 101 for all our visitors. Beautiful. And then we would take them in there. And so as a pastoral team, we wouldn't stand at the door and shake the hands of our members. We prioritized our visitors. And so we would connect with them and just offer to pray with them. Or get Praise a God. Group or, and that, that works well. Sounds like we found our second presenter. So these guys will <laughs> present first. He can present. So if you didn't hear, basically what he said is they have a welcome desk. And do you have that like in a packet that you can just like give each one of us like a, a template? Maybe when I send out the email re- of resources, you can add. And that's what I, I, f- I feel like as the Adventist Church, we have so many people that do so many good different things, right? Like I'm reading the, the, uh, the Gleaner for our Northwest region, and I, and I read about these people who do a lunch once a week for their community in Alaska. And they, anyway, everyone's invited. And it started 20 years ago. And they're just, so, hey, do you know the Adventist Church, the one that has that lunch? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they have a small community, probably. Uh, but uh, We're from Alaska. Oh, you are? <laughs> ah, very good. Is, is this, uh, yeah, I thought I recognized, you know, some of you, you know. Yeah. No, but that's beautiful. So what he's, the idea that he has a welcome center where, where people are recognized and invited to you can probably get their information. You can, you can show them you love them. You give them a gift. So one of the resources that is on Adventist Learning Community is a video of a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, how many of you were here last night for Bill McClendon's thought? He did pretty good, right? He wasn't, wasn't bad. He must be a preacher or something because he did really well. But it's an interview of his church in Tulsa, the one that grew from 100 to two, 300 to 500 and then didn't grow anymore. I, I'd be okay getting to 500. That'd be good in attendance. Uh, but uh, it's an interview, and, it, and he has the same thing, that welcome center, where, where somebody is invited, they get a little bag, and, and they do a bunch of different things that you could steal ideas from um, and apply in your own context and, and what you're doing. So. Right. Totally. But 
we would need a member training but, because yeah. but that takes a shift in mentality generally. totally focus because you know the members, members like to be babies <laughs> we won't we won't record that <laughs> but yeah but it takes it takes buy-in from your church leadership from your board from your elders um, to say hey we want to focus on our visitors yeah. and you know we you know we're about evangelism as a church and i think it takes that mentality shift in order yeah. to do some of these things mm -hmm. uh, but you still get members moaning pastor you never agree to me this Right. So to, to help that shift happen where you focus on the people that you invited to church to meet the pastor. So I didn't have time to find all the resources that I've read in the past. But I remember one, there's, there's like the bottom or the, and I just need to go in my office and find the right books and resources. But, but it talks about one of the key things that will help someone come back again or or that will ground them in a church is if you introduce them to the pastor. And it's because everyone's looking during at least a, depending on how long you preach, uh, a 30-minute period of time at this individual who is, is preaching and speaking. But if you introduce them to him, there's a connection that's made. Um, and hopefully the pastor is, is wise enough to say, hey, let's create an opportunity for us to meet up this week or you know, some, some next step of what can happen. Yes, sir. Final thing. No, please. Um, so research has shown that a visitor will make a decision on whether or not they return to the church within the first five, five minutes. Five minutes, yep. So that's one of the... How they will come, or if not, will totally. determine if they're coming back. Well, and, and that's, so this, we're, warmth is the first one, and then intentionality is the second one, and that was one of the points. I don't know, that, you, depending on who you read, you get five minutes, eight minutes, but also the point that um, Annie Stanley brings out in his book, Deep and Wide, is that your intentionality with your space, as they walk up to your church, and we'll get, we might get there, um, it will determine, there's a sermon preached before they hear the sermon. There's a sermon preached by the people that they interact with. There's a sermon preached by your facility. So, ah, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's okay. Because if, yes, sir, our, our second presenter, or first presenter, second presenter. Yes, sir. Uh, we had a, a wonderful opportunity last year. Hmm. Um, uh, a, a gentleman and his two daughters were out in our community yep. hunting. And they were, and they asked one of our church members, "Can we hunt here along your, your property line?" And he got to know them a little bit, and, and told them, and he actually invited them to church. Awesome. Which is unusual for him, but <laughs> hey. But the uh, the oldest daughter was like, hey, "Yeah, I want to go, Dad. Can I go?" And and so he he brought her, dropped her off at church, and and showed up just at the beginning of Sabbath school. Hmm. And so we started the Sabbath school lesson, and all of a sudden she raises her hand, and she's a, what, 15, 16 years old. She says, I have a question. Okay, well, answer the question. And I have another question. We turned our Sabbath school and all of our attention into Good for you guys. a Bible study just for her. That's awesome. There's so many times, even, so this is a larger church, I, I welcome someone, I know they're new, and I drop them off somewhere, and I leave them, and I'm like, Lord, be with them. Because uh, this week, there was like a 15-year-old girl 
no, no. She probably was 17 or 18 because she finished high school. She, she wants to be a, um, an auto mechanic, like a, a diesel mechanic. And I, I left her with a, another young adult in a, in a room, just the two of them, because no other young adults were there yet. And he's a great guy, and I'm sure he, they did well. But I'm just like, Lord, I hope this goes all right. But it's so awesome that you guys adapted what you did to, to love on her and her questions and her thoughts and the Bible study she needed. So that's so cool. I... <clears throat> When I send this email out about all the resources that I've, I've looked up on the different Avenist spaces as well as others, non-Avenist, uh, feel free to, to reply to that thread with uh, your own resources and your own stories. Because some of these things, and the stories don't have to be our own, but if you go back and you say, this worked in Alaska. If it can work in Alaska where it's warm and balmy, you know, then it can work anywhere. So. But actually, that was in Texas. Okay, that was in Texas. Okay. So, so you, haven't, you haven't done it in Alaska yet, huh? Yeah, well. Uh, so one, the, the point of the, the structure piece was that we can work at structuring. And, and as Adventists, I think we, we love structure. You know, we got um, church, conference, Anyway, I can. I, I learned it at uh, some point. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And then, and then, if you don't know that the divisions are part of the GC, anyway, it's it gets complicated. Uh, we love structure, and you can work at structuring um, warmth, but programs um, can sometimes work against warmth in your church. So this is the challenge I want to make, and based on some of the reading I've been doing, is is sometimes people have found to create more warmth in their church, they get rid of some programs to create space for relationships. Um, sometimes we, oh, we, so, we program so much. And here in this church, uh, Pastor Roger, I mean, he, he's really good at, at tooting the horn of us here at the church, but I know this church, and I'm like, yeah, but we do so bad. I could, I could stand up there and like, tell, tell you all the things that we do Poorly. Well, the things that I actually see. Some things I don't see anymore because I've been here too long. Um, but sometimes evaluate with your leadership and say, are we doing so much that we are not creating space for relationships? Um, and are we doing evangelistic series twice a year and that is actually impeding us from freeing our church members up to actually developing the relationships because every night of the week they're here at our church doing evangelistic series. Um, where, where we need to kind of say, and we've done it in the past, where we've taken a break and said, hey, the church is burnt out right now. Let's, let's give them a break. But instead of just saying, go home and sit in front of your TV and watch I Love Lucy, um, whatever, say, hey, instead of evangelism this fall, we're going to take a time for you, you know all that time that you took to come here to the church? Let's now take this time to, to go for a walk in your neighborhood. It's the early fall in the Northwest. It's beautiful. It's, don't do evangelism during a sunny day in the Northwest when you can see the mountains and, and such and so forth. Get out, interact with your people. So sometimes, just an idea. Think about the programs that you, you could get rid of or pause that would facilitate relationships happening in a more effective way at your local context. Um, so some, uh, uh, yes, ma'am. 
talking about that. Um, we had some, um, they're not members from our church, but our pastor was getting these calls that we were there late at night. <clears throat> and we, if there's somebody that needed the, they need to talk to you or they just need to open because of certain situations, we stay sometimes there until midnight. To one yeah, the sure. The church. And, uh, Time with people, right? Yeah. And one of the things is that we didn't want to get pastor in trouble, so we kind of back away from the church. So when we started going back, people would say, don't you love us anymore? You're not here enough. Where are you? Do you I mean, we, we got stuck in California because it was sure. we more. And people says, did you left? What did you leave? And then people were panicking. And it's like, I told you, I said, we didn't think we were that important. <laughs> well, it sounds like people recognize that the warmth left the church when you, when you guys were gone. Not that there's other, not other warmth there, but um, good for you for for being the warmth in your church and then when you were gone they noticed it and and I, I that's why I love uh, you know I go to church I don't like to rush out if there's people that want to talk and just now that I have a little three month old a little child there's somewhere to be sometimes uh, I'm realizing as a a new parent uh, to support my wife and, and kids but yeah but way to be the warmth uh, that that your community, community sees yeah, yeah. away, but if she was, she will lose it, like, um, there was a situation where somebody accused her of trying to commit suicide, which was not true, and we were on our way back to Vancouver, and we got a call, so we turned around and went back, sure. and I just, I was like, I didn't want to deal with all these police officers, but somebody says, you need to get ready and go, I mean, I'm not, just like. So people know you and, and your relationships, and yeah, that's great. Well, and, and it's, it's, it's neat to have people like that in your community that you can call on and say, hey, this is a need. And they're relationally open to be open to, to whoever is, the, is needed uh, or needs support at that time. Um, one thing about warmth, sometimes we think that warmth kind of correlates with a, a certain look or a certain, um, they have to be a pastor, they have to... You guys aren't pastors, but you, you're pastoring. Like you're ministering to the people in your community. And praise God for that. Um, but if you are 80 years old, don't, you don't need to dress like me or like the kids that were on stage today playing music. Like be yourself. If you're warm and you're, you're loving, you're caring, people will see it. People will get it. Um, and this is the, from the Growing Young book, but, but youth, if, if most people in here are older than me, yeah, most of you. Uh, sometimes you, people think that youth are judgmental. They're like, oh, you, you, won't, you won't accept me because I'm 65 and older than your grandpa type thing. Um, if you accept the youth, they'll accept you. Like, they're not, they're not trying, and this is, this is a, that's a blanket statement, and it doesn't always work. But, but people know if they're liked, or if they're appreciated, but it doesn't just work with children or youth. Adults know if they're liked, or they're appreciated. Um, if someone walks in the door, and I, and I look up and down, and I'm like, hmm, they, they're going to feel that. Like, they know it, they see it. 
Um, and there are certain greeters that we have here at our church that I'm just like, oh, maybe I need to have them teach a Sabbath school just to get them away from greeting. Um, but then I got to put certain people in the Sabbath school. Anyhow, um, we have probably another 20 minutes, depending on how long you guys want for a break uh, before lunch. Um, but I guess bottom line, uh, you don't have to have cool music. You don't have to be the biggest show in town to have warmth in your community. And if people feel warmth when they walk in the door and when they connect with you, uh, they'll come back. Um, you'd rather be in a warm, loving, caring place than um, somewhere that's hip or got everything figured out. Um, again, warmth is like family. Um, that's something that, that came out time and time again. Um, Can I say something? Um, real quick. We were um, helping somebody, and I don't know how she is, and she says, she says, do you ever consider being a foster parent? And I, and I asked my husband, I said, does she wants us to foster her? Well, maybe she knows some people that, that need a little support and love, you know, that that can uh, be loved by you guys. So, that's great. Yeah, there's, there's a lady who, uh, who we had helped out and at first we didn't know what to think of her. She's all yelling and screaming. Mm -hmm. yep. um, but after we got to know her, she started calling Maria mom and she's mm -hmm. older than Maria. That's beautiful. You guys, you guys are creating a good, a good environment. You guys need to, to be a blessing to the people around you. So, um, one of the things that how to have a warm church is to recognize the theology of church. Um, and if you study scripture, you see that, that, that in the Bible it talks about um, the church being a body. And how every, every person in the church has a different part to play. Uh, you might not be the head, you might be the foot, um, but you can't walk down the road with your head. Um, so, kind of getting that mentality and if we do that, we can encourage our fellow church members to join us in being friendlier and be more effective uh, at reaching the people around us. Um, because you can, um, another story real quick, um, I ran out this last Sabbath and talked to a lady and she was getting in the, her car and she talked about how her husband had died and how he was the one that connected with people and, and was the, the person that everyone looked at as this connector. And she's a little prickly, I'll be honest. Um, but I looked at her and I said, you know that God has something for you too, right? And you could see kind of tears in her eyes and, and you could hear it in her voice as she was just like, that is awesome to think that, that I have a part to play. And she does. She's a part of our body here. And if, if, if her part to play is not my part, that's okay. Um, because we can't all do what I do or what she can do. Um, uh, some of the resources that I'll, I'll send on to you all are um, some resources on how to make newcomers land smoothly. And I have a list here about greeting them warmly, about orienting them to the building. The gentleman in the back that is from Alaska, previously from Texas, uh, mentioned some of those things. Um, how to create a less awkward experience when you come to a, a place. Um, I, I love the restaurants that I go into where you walk in and they're like, welcome to Moe's. Like, like they, just, they just automatically welcome you there. 
if, if our churches, when we walked into our churches, if you were just like, hey, welcome, so glad you're here, and you just felt that you were drawn in, um, it, would, it would change the, the game for, for the people that show up to our church, and they would continue to show up um, if they had an opportunity. Um, some, one, one note of encouragement and challenge to each one of you as you go back to your context is that uh, warmth doesn't just happen overnight. If you start with a little kindling, like the gentleman said in the back, one spark, um, it won't just happen overnight. It takes time. I think the book that I was reading, it talked about even in a five-year period um, that it might take five years for your church community to get warm. And um, so if the ladies that were out here in the parking lot were correct, when did, I, when did they, were they last here? 2018? It's 2023? Five years until they finally experienced a warm community here. I'm not saying that it hasn't been warm for everyone, but that was their experience. Uh, I just want to hit on intentionality real quick and we're going to skip um, some of the pieces here Um, to be a warm church to create a a friendly church and atmosphere we need to be intentional about it Um, if how many of you uh, lost weight without trying my wife did when she had a baby. I guess she tried really. It was, it's, that's not true. But oftentimes, you have to be intentional. Now, the challenge is, um, is that the longer you are somewhere, this is just, the less you see. So, did anyone notice anything when they walked in the door today uh, to this room? Anything about this room that, that you thought could be improved upon that wasn't exactly right? Anything that could just make this room look better? Like the buckets in front aren't the prettiest. The buckets in front aren't the prettiest. This, is, this actually is my illustration for being intentional with your weeds out front. And this, like, you know, you're like, oh, he put this, this glove on his, his desk. What is that all about? Um, I remember when I was an intern pastor, one of the pastors that, that was mentoring me said, Ryan... Every time I go to a new church, and these are usually his smaller churches, we were at a larger church at the time, I would always do something to get people to wake up. And so what he'd do is he'd do a, like a little building project that would just spruce up something. He'd paint a wall. And people would walk up and be like, wow, there's a wall there. They've walked past that, past that wall for 40 years. So um, I actually dropped paper on the ground here in our, in our church. Um, you saw that. Okay, very good. I... It's not just because this church is dirty. Um, it is sometimes. Um, interestingly enough, a little props to my lead pastor, Roger. We were in the office, and there was like four pieces of paper on the ground, and I wanted to reach down and grab them, but I was like, oh, I'll see what happens. Pastor Roger re- re- said, or bent down and picked up the pieces, threw them away, and I was like, oh, good job. Uh, he's my role model. So, um, But I thought it would be a good illustration for us. Um, the reason I say that is we need to be intentional with creating systems that help us see what we don't see. So if you have to invite Uncle Buck, who lives, you know, he's a Seventh-day Adventist, and he lives, you know, um, in the next state, say, hey, I want you to show up at my church and tell me the things that you see. Because I've been here for, since 2017, since, we, since Bridget and I got married. And there's things I don't see anymore. 
Um, I do have a pet peeve of seeing stuff on the ground. Or I, I, when I walk out here and I see that our, our bark chips are, are getting low, I'm like, oh, or the moss that's growing on, this, on the roof. I'm just like, ah, you know, and I love, I love working with my hands too, but uh, can't, I'm learning that that's not my job. Um, but create systems that force you to look at how you do things. Because Seventh-day Adventists are so good at being okay with things. Um, the, some of the churches I pastored, um, you walk into the church uh, sanctuary, and if you turn around, there's black plastic on the, on the window up above you. And it was, it was it was stained glass, but there's black plastic on it, and some of it's like peeling off, and, and just like there. But get this, how many years did I pastor there? Three years. Was it still there when I left? Come on now, you guys are not very... Like, you don't think I would rip that stuff down and make it look nice? You're right, it was, it was still there when I left. Uh, and the attic was full of materials that were 20 or 30 years old. And I was like, oh, but the, the message is beautiful. Yeah, but I'm not going to hand it out. Like, I'm not going to give it to someone. I should have done the next pastor a benefit and thrown it all out. And, and that's not... That's, that's more of talking about holistically taking care of our church, but people notice. People notice when they walk up to your church, whether you've left that dandelion just growing up right in the middle of the sidewalk as you walk in. Grab some gloves from Home Depot. I got these, these like 10 pack of gloves for like 10 bucks and put them on. Reach down and grab that little dandelion and pop its head off. Uh, there's, there's things that we can do in our church that will help us as we're intentional. People, like I said earlier, their first there's only one opportunity to make a first impression. Um, some of the resources I'm going to give you are s stories of individuals who invited their friends to church and the church did a horrible job at the first impression. And because of that, they never came back. They never came back. And it's not, yeah, we want to do the best we can at being friends with people. And as we're friends in our neighborhood, et cetera, and then we invite them to church, we want to provide an environment that, that has a message. Uh, one of the things I love to do is I love grass. I love beautiful grass. And banks always have great grass. Because they pay friends, like a friend of mine who had a lawn company, they pay him to fertilize it, to manicure it, to keep it nice, but it looks beautiful. It's great, and their buildings are well taken care of. Um, I've, I've thought about asking the conference and saying, hey, like, can you just like, give money towards improving buildings or I don't, something? But as we are intentional with what God has given us in these facilities, people will see it. They'll see that we care about what we're doing. Um, I went back for a funeral at the church that I left and someone took the black plastic down. The reason they put it up there in the first place is that there's a projector and it didn't have enough lumens to really be able to see it with that light coming in. Um, but I had bought a good projector when I left or before I left and so they took that down and it looked better. It was an improvement. Um, so, so is that a crack up there or a wire? Uh, that is a crack. That, that it, if you go into the fellowship hall, you'll see another crack in the fellowship hall that matches that one. Um, they're on both sides of the building. The building is kind of settling. 
Um, it, so interestingly enough, this church uh, was built by 100 people um, who had a passion to reach Vancouver. And now this church has many more than 100 and um, still has the same passion. And hopefully, as Bill talked about last night, has a vision for reaching this community for God, um, which is fun to be a part of. Uh, so a oh, bummer. I didn't put it in there. Have you guys heard the phrase, um, time in erodes awareness of? Time in erodes awareness of. The longer you spend time somewhere, the less you see. So that's why I said call Uncle Buck, who's way out somewhere, or, or pay someone to say, hey, can you show up at church this week and give us an evaluation of how we're doing? Because, you know, I think that Wayne is a great guy. But who knows how someone else's opinion of it. And if you get someone unbiased, um, it'll give you an opportunity to do a little self-reflection and evaluate where, how you're doing. Um, I had a bunch... I went to my office and I, in preparation for this and I found a bunch of books about people who've left the church. Um, how are teenagers are leaving the church? Uh, you lost me. Uh, other books about the ten who left and seeking those who are lost. You know, Redemption Ministries. There's some other good seminars going to be going on that, that kind of dovetail with what we're talking about, create, about creating warmth in our churches, such and so forth. Uh, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Um, I found so many books about, like, the decline of our churches. Um, I found a few books, you know, that had some nuggets in them. And there's a lot of different materials in these things. Um, nuggets about how to create an environment that we would want to be a part of if we weren't longtime members, elders, leaders in our church. And so I pray that, that the resources, and I need all of you to, to write down your name on this notepad if you would like me to send some, the, the like Word document full of resources that I scoured over. And I, I was really tempted to steal everyone's good ideas and just present all those, but I didn't feel like that would benefit you. I wanted to kind of give you some of the things that I read about that some of these people didn't present on. And some of these things that are, they're available to all of us. And they're available for you to take back to your churches where you can, where you can say, hey, we're going to spend Sabbath afternoon watching this hour-long video or presentation on Adventist Learning Community about um, how this church did church well. And as you watch that video, you're going to get ideas about a welcome table. You're going to get ideas about a, a, maybe let's, let's give a gift to people who are coming to our church. Or, you know, we'll interview you guys and you guys can tell us how, how you are the blessing that you are in your local church. So write your name down on this, this sheet of paper and um, I will send you um, an email on, on, on the resources that I've, I've gathered. I also was very impressed when I went on Advent Source. There's a, I, I was kind of frustrated with Advent Source sometime because I felt like, why do I have to pay for all these resources? I'm an Adventist pastor. Um, why do I need to pay for them? But there are a lot of resources for free on Advent Source that I did not realize were right there. And I'm sure they'd be happy for you to buy a hard copy of it, but there's PDFs that you can just print out at your church and, and just hand out to your church members and say, hey, let's run with this. This might not be the, the thing that'll fix everything, but at least it stimulates some ideas and maybe be the spark that'll, that'll get you guys to be the, the church that, that Jesus wants you to be in your community. 
at the Propel Conference, we put a lot of emphasis on the practice of reflection. Don't just take in this fire hose of information. Stop for a moment and think about how this could be applied in your own ministry. What was a big idea that jumped out at you? How can you apply what you just heard at your own church? What are you inspired to do? When this episode finishes in another minute or so, I encourage you to pause for five or 10 minutes and just let your mind wander. This reflection time can be really powerful. Okay, that's it for this episode. Special thanks to Pastor Ryan Whitehead for speaking at this year's conference. This has been the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. The Propel Podcast is sponsored by the North Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and is produced by the crew at Summer View Evangelism Marketing. I'm Larry Witzel, wishing you God's richest blessing in your evangelistic journey. Please join us again next time for another episode of The Propel Podcast. Thank you.